Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So, well, we're going to start a new message series today. And if you're new, a message series is simply a series of messages. Uh, very complicated, right? Uh, through the book of Ephesians, God's really been laying on my heart to walk through a book together. So we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians, which is in the New Testament. It's one of the small books uh, in the New Testament. And we're just going to walk through what it says, what the background is, and then how can we apply that to our lives. And the book of Ephesians is basically a book about being in Christ. And so that's what we're calling this. We're going to call this series In Christ. Now I've got I could stand up here and tell you some of the background on Ephesians, but I think some of you are visual learners. So I'm going to show you a quick video. Uh, this is a, it's on YouTube. It's called, I think, The Bible Project or something like that. So we're going to show this, and we'll show it online as well. We are all trying to be the best version of ourselves. But how do we know who we truly are? To understand our identity, we need to know who God has actually made us to be. This question lies at the heart of the background of the book of Ephesians. Ancient Ephesus was one of the largest and most important cities in the Roman Empire. It was a bustling hub of business and trade. This attracted immigrants from many different places who brought with them their cultures, worldviews, and religious beliefs. Because of this, Ephesus became a melting pot where at least 50 different gods and goddesses were worshipped. The Ephesians didn't see worship of any of these gods as exclusive, but people were free to worship as many of these gods and goddesses as they liked. Despite all of this diversity, there was one goddess that Ephesus celebrated above all others, Artemis of the Ephesians. Artemis was worshipped as both a fertility goddess and a goddess of protection. The temple that they built for her was huge and elaborate. In fact, It was honored as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and thousands of people would make pilgrimages to worship her every year. So many came to Ephesus to worship her that this became one of the major sources of income for the city. With all of this worship of different gods and goddesses came a hyper-awareness of the spiritual world. The Ephesians viewed this world as full of demons and dark powers that were intent on bringing them harm. To protect themselves, they practiced superstitions and magical rituals. They hoped that these works would impress their gods and draw to themselves spiritual power. And yet, they still lived in constant fear, never knowing whether their sacrifices and rituals were really enough. In the midst of all of this religious diversity, Ephesus had a large Jewish population as well. Rather than worshipping a whole host of different gods and goddesses like everyone else, Jews would only worship one invisible god. They kept themselves separate from all of the sacrifices and festivals to the many gods throughout the city. Because of this, people viewed them as intolerant, and much of the population held animosity towards the Jews, having little to do with them. When Paul came to Ephesus, he came with the power of the Holy Spirit. For three years, God used Paul to break through the darkness and the fear of the spirit world that was gripping so many in this place. 
thousands of people in Ephesus and throughout the surrounding Roman province of Asia recognized that it was only through Jesus that they could stand against all of the demons and dark powers that threatened them. So many became followers of Jesus that there was a noticeable drop-off in the number of people making pilgrimages to visit Artemis. When Paul writes this letter, about six years have passed since he left Ephesus. During that time, the church continued to grow throughout the entire region amongst the Jews, but even more so amongst the Gentiles. Unfortunately, even though they became followers of Jesus, many of these new Gentile Christians carried with them some of the unhealthy worldviews of their past. They continued to fear the darkness of the spiritual world around them. They had a hard time letting go of their old identity as people who were insignificant pawns of uncaring gods and victims of evil spirits. Along with this, the previous animosity between Jews and Gentiles carried over into the church. This led to divisions and pride amongst them, with each group claiming to be more spiritual than the other. Now when we go back and read this letter, what can we learn about our identity? When we accept Jesus, our cultural worldview no longer defines who we are. We aren't insignificant pawns, but we are chosen and adopted by God. We are called to a life of hope and power to walk out who God has created us to be. As we grow into our new identity in Christ, this is the Ephesians effect. Thanks for watching our background video on Ephesians. Please remember to hit subscribe to stay up to date. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, doesn't the, the life and the times of Ephesus look a lot like where we're at right now? As Christians, we're seen as what? Intolerant, different, strange. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians and, and just kind of see what God is speaking to us today. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And today we're going to go through verse 14. And we're going to look at what it means to be chosen in Christ so in Ephesians 1, 1, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now you need to hold on to that, chosen by the will of God. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united in Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us when we belong on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showcased his kindness on us along with all wisdom and his understanding. So God has not revealed to us his mysterious will has now, I cannot read today. He has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time. He'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're in, uh, because we are united in Christ, we've received an what? Inheritance. Isn't that exciting? 
from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work according to his plan. So God's purpose was that we Jews who were in Christ, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's what? Guarantee. Say that word with me. Guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised us and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So, Lord, I pray this morning. You would speak to us through your word. You would help us to apply your word to our hearts. And, Lord, help us to not just know but believe that we're yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're going to talk about what it means to be chosen in Christ. And we're going to talk about the relationship that we have with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Because this is what Paul starts looking at. The first half of the book of Ephesians, Paul starts talking about what it means to be in Christ. What it means to have a new life in Jesus. And then the whole second half of the book, he talks about how we live this out. How do we take what it means to be in Christ and apply it and live it out? Live it out in our families. Live it out in our schools, in our locker rooms, in our workplaces, in our cars. (laughs) When we spend a lot of time there. What does it mean to live this life out? So first, let's look at this relationship we have with the Father. Look at what Paul says in verses 1 through 6. He says the Father has chosen us. How exciting is that? He chose us. The Father chose you. And guys, I know, I don't know about you, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was outside taking down our Christmas lights finally. And uh, I was up on the roof, you know, and I'm a little terrified up there. So I was thinking about that God has chosen me. It's crazy because, I don't know about you guys, but so many times I feel like I don't get anything right. Anybody ever feel that way? I just feel like I make eh, not horrible decisions, but not great decisions. You ever feel that way? It's like, man, I wish I could live this out better. But he says he chose us. He chose us even though he knew we wouldn't always get it right. He chose us even though no one else would. You guys ever, uh, I don't know if you guys were ever in PE class, but you were ever the last one chosen for a team? There'd be like a little skinny girl and me, and they would pick the girl for dodgeball. <laughs> like, what are you trying to say, you know? And so I would just, you know, I was always the target. And so I was always kind of that last chosen. And when I read this, that God has chosen us, he says, in his kindness, he chose us. Isn't that amazing? He decided in advance to adopt us. He loved us and chose us to be in Christ. So even before the world began, in verse 4 it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So God chose us. And then he adopted us. Now, Paul uses this word adopt the way the Hebrews use the word adopt because he was a Hebrew. When you were adopted, you weren't just kind of added to the family. You had all the rights of a born-in child. So when you were brought in, you were adopted, you were part of the family, you were part of the inheritance. When you were born in Christ and you were adopted in, guys, we have been given all the rights and the inheritance of a child of God. I love this story. There's a lady who lived in 1916, or she died in 1916. Her name was Getty, or Hetty Green. She was known as America's Greatest Miser. That's a pretty, pretty lofty title, right? And when she died, she left an estate valued at over $100 million in 1916. 
That is a ton of money. But she lived like a pauper. Listen to this. She ate cold oatmeal because it cost money to heat it. Her son had to suffer a leg amputation because she delayed so long in looking for a free clinic that his case became incurable. Yeah. She was wealthy, yet she chose to live like a pauper. Eccentric? Yeah. Crazy? Maybe. But nobody could ever prove that she was crazy. She was so foolish that she hastened her own death by bringing on an attack of apoplexy while arguing about the value of drinking skim milk over whole. But she's in an illustration of how many of us live today, guys. We live like we don't belong to Christ, but we do. So many of us live like we don't have an inheritance in Christ, but we do. We're part of his family, and yet so many times we live like we're not. And so we have to make sure that we're living in Christ. We're heirs with Christ. And sometimes we don't tap into that blessing. And guys, when we read these verses, it said he has chosen us. He has made us a part of his family. Guys, there's this word that goes along with this. Some of the versions, I think the NIV and the New King James, they call it elect. He elected us. Guys, who, is, who has God the Father chosen to be in Christ? All of us, right? Every one of us are elected. Every one of us are chosen to be in his family. But the decision comes down to us, right? He wants every single one of us, Peter says, to be saved. He wants every single one of us to have a relationship with him. So he has chosen all of us, but he doesn't force us. So all of us are the elect in Christ. All of us are the ones who were chosen, and all of us are predestined to go to heaven, right? But the choice is ours. And, you know, I know when I was a, when I was a young, young punk running around and a, even a teenager, I knew that Jesus wanted a relationship with me because I'd been drugged to church, you know. Every time I went with my grandparents, I got drugged into church. And every time I went and stayed at my friend's house overnight, they would drag me to church. And so I heard and I knew, but I didn't live that way because I didn't choose to be a part of his family. I chose to do things my own way. And it took a long time for God to get through this thick skull that I needed him, right? So he chose us and then he accepted us. There's this great line, I think I even put it in your notes. This is in that, the Fire Bible, if you have a Fire Bible or a um, Life in the Spirit Bible. It says, election, which is who we are, refers to people, predestination to the purposes for those. God elects us to be saints or those who are set apart. Then he predestines that certain purpose that our lives should come to pass. Adoption in the New Testament refers to the official act of a father who bestows the status of full adulthood on a son of minor status. It's not the taking in of an outsider. It's the placing of a family member into the privileges and blessings of adulthood. This means that even the youngest Christian has everything that Christ has and is rich in grace. We're a part of his family, guys. He has adopted us. He has taken us in. And then he accepts us. Even before creation, he accepted us because of Jesus. And there's a big, long quote in here um, that I put in your notes. Yeah, I'll let you read later. I thought it was too good to leave it out. But guys, God has chosen us, and that means God has chosen you. If you're here today, God has chosen you. If you're listening online, God has chosen you to be part of his family. He wants you with all your faults, with all your mistakes, with all your pride. <laughs> he wants me with all my faults, mistakes, pride. He wants all of us to be part of his family. And that's what it means to be in Christ. He has chosen us. Then we have a relationship with the Son. 
What has Jesus done for us? He's redeemed us. He redeemed us. And that's what Paul says in verses 7 through 12. What does redeem mean? It means to buy something back. You guys ever sold something that you wish you could go back and get back? When I was, uh, when I was younger, my dad gave me a Remington 22 rifle. It was one of those nylon Remingtons. And it, that gun would shoot forever. And then when I got older, I decided I would rather have a handgun. So I took and traded that gun in for a handgun. And then after I did that, I realized it was worth way more than I got for it. So I went back and wanted to buy it back. He's like, well, yeah, you can, but it's going to be <laughs> this amount because that's what it's worth. I didn't realize what I had at the time. And even now, I'm like, oh, I see them up on eBay and things now, you know, on gun trading sites. I'm like, ah, the value's gone way up even past that. So I was like, oh, stupid. Why did I do that? Because I didn't realize what it was worth. And guys, so many of us live our lives like we don't realize what we're worth. We live our lives like we have no value but Jesus gave what for us? His life to redeem us, to buy us back from all the bad choices that we've made and the things that we allow to enslave us. We have redemption. We're no longer controlled by sin. We don't have to be controlled by sin anymore, do we? We don't have to be controlled by death anymore. We don't have to fear death because Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back and he has forgiven us. That word forgive, you know what it means? To send away. In the Old Testament, to kind of cover our sins, God would have the people of Israel bring two goats. They would have one that they would sacrifice to take the, the people's sin. They have another one that they would let leave, and they would pray over this goat, and they'd say, we're going to put all of our sins onto this goat, and then they would let it leave, let it run out into the wilderness to carry their sins away. That's what Jesus did for us. He took our sins so that we could be what? Forgiven. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. He's forgiven us. He took all those bad choices. So guys, so many of us live our lives with the weight of bad choices. You ever feel like, you know, God could never love me because of this thing that I've done? If you're in Christ, if you ask him, if you've asked him for forgiveness, guess what? It's gone. He sent it away. It doesn't have power over you anymore. So those things, all those things are gone. Now, do sometimes we still suffer consequences? Absolutely. Sometimes there are still things that we've done. Yeah. You know, some of us were reckless as youngsters, and we still kind of have that pain from things we did back then. You know, bones that we broke doing stupid things and all that. You know, there's still consequences. But the sin, the power is gone. And so he revealed God's will for us as well. Ephesians often talks about the mystery of the gospel, a mystery of something that was hidden but is now brought to light. What was God's will for us? For us to be with him forever in heaven. For us to be forgiven. For us to live in Christ, to live in that relationship with him. And then last, he gave us an inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. 
We live with expectation because someday, guys, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. If we have a relationship with him, that's something to look forward to. I know I get this statement in the mail every month of my retirement. <clears throat> it's a little depressing sometimes. It's like I say, oh, it used to be this. Now it's this because of inflation. I went, oh. <laughs> my kids don't have much inheritance to look forward to, right? But our inheritance in Christ is what? He said it's pure and undefiled. It's kept in heaven for us. It's never going to change. Guys, we have this inheritance. We have something to look forward to when we meet Christ, whether we die or whether we go in the rapture when he comes back. But guys, here's the real exciting part, the relationship we have with the Spirit. It says in verses 13 and 14 that the Spirit has sealed us. What does that mean? Sealed us. He has stamped us as his own. He has stamped us as his. You know, one of the things I, uh, I help coach basketball at the middle school, and uh, one of the things I tell the kids, and Christian's going to hear it this week, one of my speeches I always give is, when we wear that jersey with that L on the front, who do we represent? The entire school. It's like, you represent your team. And I have this kid on my team that every time he makes a shot, he wants to dance on the court. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, you have to act like you've been here before, you know. <laughs> we have made shots before. We don't have to dance every time, right? But I say the way that we represent ourselves represents all of those who wear that L on their chest and all the ones in the past who have worn that L on their chest and all who will wear it, you know. We give them this big speech. And so and then I get real practical. I said, when you go to the YMCA and you act like a knucklehead, you make me look bad in front of my wife, right? <laughs> because she were, and they're like, she's your wife. It's like, yes, that one is my wife. And they're like, oh, you know, they all, they all know my wife at the Y. Many of them have been kicked out by her. <laughs> or they will be one of these days. But we talk about, we represent all those people, right? Because of that L that we wear on our chest. And, and guys, when we give our lives to Christ, when we ask him to forgive our sins, the Holy Spirit stamps us as his own. It says he marks us. He identifies us as his own. And so when we have a relationship with Christ, he seals us. He says that you are now mine. You now belong to Christ. And what does that mean? If I belong to Christ, what does that mean? Nothing is going to take me back, right? Except me. But that means that choices and all these things, they don't matter anymore because I'm sealed in him. I am his. He has sealed us. It's something that shows ownership. We're marked as his. And then it says he gave us a deposit. I love this in verse 14. Let's go back to verse 13. It says this in chapter 1. Now you Gentiles, which is us, because I don't think any of us are Hebrews here, but you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he, what? Identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he promised long ago. This Spirit is God's guarantee that he'll give the inheritance that he promised us when he purchased us to be his own people. It's a, what? A guarantee or a deposit. I don't know if you guys have ever bought a house, but when you're looking at a house and you're really interested, what do you have to put down? They call it earnest money, right? It's kind of an older word, but they call it earnest money. Earnest money just means what? I want this. 
I will be back to buy this. I'm not just leading you on. It's something I'm going to do. Or if you're going to go buy a car, you put earnest money down. I'm going to, I'm going to come back and get this. It's a deposit. He says here that the Holy Spirit is a deposit of our future hope. A deposit of our future hope. I, there's this line, if you've heard me do a Christian funeral, Kenny always laughs about it. Uh, I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Incredible book series. Pretty good movie series. Right? But in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis talks about heaven in the very last book. And it says that heaven is a story that no one has yet read, but which every chapter is better than the one before. I think that's such a great illustration of what heaven is going to be like. Every day is going to be better than the one before. And the Holy Spirit gives us a deposit showing that, hey, someday that's going to be your inheritance. Guys, someday all the stuff that we deal with is going to be worth it. Because we're going to be with him. All the hardships, all the things that we go through are going to be worth it. But he doesn't just leave us with this hope. He gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee, living inside of us that one of these days we're going to be there. And so the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us because you belong to him. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up this morning. So guys, this whole message today is just talking about this one thing. We have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit because we are in Christ. Because we have a relationship. We're not just out here wandering on our own. We have a relationship with him. So I'm going to ask this morning, if you're physically able, would you stand Change positions a little bit so you don't fall asleep on us. If you're here today and you're listening to my voice, if you're watching online and you're hearing my voice this morning, God has chosen you. He's chosen you. Even before he made the world, it said he loved you and he chose you to be his own. And so guys, he puts a value on you and it doesn't matter what other people say about us. It doesn't matter what other people think about us, whether they like us or not, because, you know, it is true. There are going to be people who don't like you. It's hard to believe, but there are going to be people who don't like you. There are going to be people who don't like the way that you live as a Christian. There are people who don't like the choices you make. But when we're in Christ, it doesn't really matter because God has chosen you. It said even before he made the world, he loved you. Even before he made the world, he chose you. And when you ask him to come into your heart, you ask him to fill you with his presence and his spirit, then he has deposited the spirit in us as a guarantee that you're his. He has stamped you with his ownership seal. You are his. So guys, it doesn't matter what people say, what people think. It matters what he thinks about you. You are valuable to him. So Lord, right now, I just pray that all across this room, you would help us to know who we are in Christ. So even when people say things about us, when people treat us badly, it doesn't matter because we're in Christ. We are yours. So Lord, I pray for all these who are here today listening to my voice, maybe those watching online who feel like they're not valuable because of the way people have treated them. Let them know how valuable they are in your eyes. Lord, for those of us who may be here today and just feel like we're kind of wandering, like maybe God has forgotten us, help us remember that we are sealed as your own by your presence in our lives. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes this morning and just shut yourself in with the Lord. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I've never asked Christ to forgive my sins. I've never started that relationship with him, but 
I want that today. I want that relationship with him. I want to be in Christ. I want to pray with you today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I've never started this relationship. All right. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, I just need to be reassured that, that he loves me. I need to be reassured that I'm valuable to him. You know, people have been doing things, saying things. And I just don't feel that, but I, I, I want to know that down in my heart. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you right where you're at. I just need to know that I'm valuable. Yeah. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I just need to be assured that, that he's with me. I just really need to sense God's presence. I'm, I'm dry. I'm lonely. I just want to really sense his presence. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? We just want to pray with you as well. Yeah. I'm going to pray this morning. Then we're going to close with the song. And if you just want someone to pray with you, come up to one of these sides up here. Someone will meet you up here and pray with you. Father, right now, I just pray for those who raise their hands. Lord, for those who just need to be reassured that they're valuable to you. Lord, I pray that this word that we've read this morning from Paul would get deep into our hearts. Lord, that your word would penetrate all the layers of stuff that have gone on. And Lord, we would know that we're yours. That we would know that we belong to you. And Lord, for those who just need a, a reassurance of your presence, I pray that you would fill them with hope, with peace, with your spirit today, Lord, that they would just sense your presence in such a real way, Lord, that you would work in their hearts today. Father, help us to carry your presence with us everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name.